0: Here it is, the long-awaited debut of the Fun Belt Podcast. I am Dusty Timeneau, owner of Warhawk Report, covering ULM for the Rivals Network, and join me, as always, is
1: <laughs> uh, Jeremy Harper with uh, howraiser.com and, uh, and uh, oh God, I don't even know what I'm working on. howraiser.com and College Football News? And a bit more, 24-7.
0: Guys, we're finally doing it. We have the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt, and we're talking it. We're tackling it. We're going crazy with it. This past week, it was Sun Belt Conference Media Days. The poll's out. Of course, it is Coastal Carolina, the Fighting Two. Uh, Favorite again. Give me you your thoughts there on that top, t- uh, top ten
2: yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good to jump right in. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see, certainly uh, no, no surprise there in the West at all, uh, you know, with Louisiana, but in the East, uh, somebody doesn't like Coastal Carolina because it seemed to me that they got at least one second place vote, uh, got to tie there with App State. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, I think, all season long to see uh, what what the residual is with coastal, uh, you know, knowing what they did last season, how they handle success and, and go from there. But, uh, you know, Georgia state there, you know, tied, uh, for, uh, after the tie, excuse me, they're in third place. Uh, they received a second place vote, vote by some somebody as well. I and mean, we may have to sniff them out here at uh, the Fun belt podcast to see who voted second. It wasn't me. I can confirm that. Um, but, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, it, not, not a whole lot of shocks, um, it, it jumped out to me specifically, but uh, how about you, Jeremy? Anything jump out?
1: Well, definitely, I've never seen a shocking Sun Belt preseason poll. It always seems to, to uh, shake out the way you expect. One thing I didn't really expect was Arkansas State being put number two, uh, especially considering that Arkansas State didn't get any uh, preseason Sun Belt player or uh, players on the preseason Sun Belt teams. So there's this. It, it's either this idea that the Sun Belt uh, west is kind of weak this year or a bit of an unknown and that's why arkansas state gets a vote and gets up in the second place or uh or simply that somebody thinks butch jones is going to have a little bit of magic to get these te- get these players running uh as terms of the west you know I, I i i kind of agree with this sort of reluctance to get behind coastal carolina it's not because they didn't have a great season last year i just feel like they're they there's a good chance of sort of having a bit of a hangover after all that success last year. Uh, I think Chadwell, during his interview, uh, uh, touched on that several times. And some of the reporters actually asked him, how do you keep these guys motivated? How do you keep it going? And I'll be surprised if they can duplicate that success. I always feel like Appalachian State is, is so strong, so mentally strong in that area. And then you have some guys right behind Appalachian State, right behind Coastal Carolina that are, are poised to make some noise in, in that part of the bracket. So that's going to be an exciting lot, uh, thing to watch out there in, in, out there in the East. And uh, the West, West is still such a mystery to me, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the top teams in the conference there, with it being Coastal Carolina in the East, Louisiana Lafayette in the West, I think those are the given. I think that they will actually get to meet this year for a conference championship. Uh, beyond that, I, I, I really think that it's wide open. I think ULM is going to be kind of in the bottom there of the West, but will surprise somebody. I don't know who that team will be, but they will beat somebody that you're like, God, how did they pull that off? Uh, other than that, I think Troy's still another year away from being able to compete and being able to. Uh, be back to that Troy of old, as we were talking about, Jeremy, where they are kind of the favorite in, in the East. I think they're the up-and-coming team, but I, I think that they need at least one more year. And also I think that South Alabama, new head coach again there with Kane Womack, I think that they are the 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 X factor. No one knows anything about South Alabama and the Jazz, So <laughs> that is our, our first mission. We've got to find some South Alabama representation for this show.
1: I'm sure we could dig up somebody from South Alabama to help us out. Like I was mentioning before, there's a guy named Craig Stevenson who does the beat there. We could probably get on, him on the show, and he can he can let us know uh, who, who or what's going on in South Alabama. But I would like to know Ben's sleeper picks. Uh, my sleeper picks, though, for this year, I have two two picks, and and, and they always both teams seem to always be on the cusp of doing something really good in the Sun Belt, and then for whatever reason, they they just can't put it together. But uh, after listening to the coaches and kind of looking over their team, I I, I feel like both South Alabama with Womack and uh, Texas State with Spavadal, I think both those teams have a real chance of doing some damage uh, in their divisions. And uh, uh, I'd like to hear what uh, Ben thinks about who who – who in the West and who in the East is going to cause some problems?
2: Yeah, I, I'm very interested in seeing what uh, you know the the all transfer portal team does. And I know uh, Texas State that was that was a topic of conversation yeah. as we saw at Sunbelt Media Day that he really just didn't uh, want to take any any young guys and even address that and said, "Hey, look, I, I was going to we were going to be one of the youngest teams in the country uh, if we went and hit and signed twenty to twenty five guys." Uh, that were coming from the high school ranks. So, uh, I I agree with you. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how Troy reacts. Uh, you know, they they always seem to be the pick to click uh, with a lot of folks, media, and some of the preseason magazines and things like that. They lost a lot of games close last season, and if you looked at the previous season back in 2019, Coastal Carolina did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think they lost four games by a touchdown or less. So they, you know, certainly. I don't, I'm not predicting a Troy, you know, to, to repeat what Coastal did potentially, but um, they certainly have a whole lot of talent offensively, uh, have the defensive, you know, preseason defensive player of the year. Um, they're, you know, on the defense as well. So uh, I'm interested and i like to see what, what Troy does. Uh, but the East is just murderer's row, as we've talked about before, um, you know, with with that app and, Coastal and, and even, you know, as we mentioned as well, Georgia State getting some some love after having you know nineteen starters back as well. Um, if they can survive September, I think they could be a could be a sleeper pick uh, around the league.
1: Yeah, you know, am I, the only
0: one, am I the only
2: one brave enough to say that Coastal does not win the East this year?
1: No, I'm brave enough to say that.
0: I'll, All
2: right, I'll
1: Just put my marker sure.
2: on that. The, the feathery mullet doesn't win the East. Yeah, I'm good with that.
0: Dude, those were distra- some sweet, sweet, sweet mullets. By the entire Coastal Carolina delegation there that was in New Orleans. All of them had a great, great mullet. They all look beautiful flowing in the wind, but I'm sorry. They'll probably be in New Orleans for the New Orleans Bowl. Not meaning that they're conference champions, by the way, just picked for the New Orleans Bowl.
1: You know, I, I, I have, to be, I'll have to take a little bit of umbrage with uh, Chadwell's um, mullet. I thought that was kind of a weak mullet. It looked all lispy and light, and I felt like I felt like he needs, has, still has some work to do on that mullet. I could be alone in the room on that, but I, I feel like he could do a little bit better.
2: You still got a month; you can grow it out a little bit more, and then you know flare it out. I, I expect <laughs> yeah. some work here. You know, that's what fall camps for, Jeremy. <laughs> he's
1: he's got the he's got the summer mullet. He needs to transition into fall mullet. I can see that. But one thing about all and what he's doing is that. I have a theory, Ben and Dusty, about Spamadol, and I'd be interested in what you thought about that. I I think he's looking at some of these young teams, guys like Georgia State, guys like Coastal Carolina, and even Appalachian State and Georgia Southern who have come in and and to the Sun Belt and found success right away. And, And Texas State just seems to be falling behind, or at least staying in the basement the entire time. I feel like Spavadol is, is seeing maybe a window of opportunity closing, maybe not getting the, the, the recruits that he wanted to make that move. And I'm wondering if he's using that transfer portal to jumpstart that program and to, to make some noise, maybe not necessarily for Texas State, but maybe for his own career. Uh, am I misreading that?
0: No, I, th- I think you hit it right on the nose there, that that he is – Doing whatever he can to try to get the Bobcats back to being relevant. You know, I, I don't think they've ever finished higher than the middle of the pack there in the Sunbelt Conference. And so maybe this is his attempt to try to be that foot in the rear to push them to the higher end of the, the Sunbelt West. Um, I don't understand how San Marcos, Texas, with Texas State, can struggle as much as they do when they have all the resources. They have a fantastic campus, they have all the great resources. They have money there to make sure that things are kept up to date. I don't understand how that job has gone from Dennis Franchoni, you know, the guy that that resurrected and was great at Texas AM, to being this job where you're 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 finding yourselves at the lower end, really not too far ahead of ULM in that preseason poll.
1: Well, you know, here's my thought on this, and 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 Ben, I think you'll agree with this too, because this is not the attitude of Georgia State. It's not the attitude of Georgia Southern or Appalachian State. I felt like what Texan, Texas State had a bad case of was FCS mentality. You know, they brought in Withers, who who by all accounts was a great FCS coach, but I felt like he addressed things in a very small way. Like he never really thought in a big-time manner. And maybe that's what Fabadol is going to do for Texas State – is, is, is bring a more professional, high-end uh, mentality. And I, I think if you talk to some people at Texas State, they'll also say some of the top brass is still in that FCS mentality. I think I remember seeing one story where their teen doctor was also a PE coach or something like that. They just wasn't putting in some of the money into the program that, that was really necessary to take it to that next level. So maybe Jake is the guy to make that happen.
2: Well, and, let, and let's call it what it is. I mean, the state of Texas—you you have to win in order to gain folks' attention. You know, there there yeah. uh, there's so many programs, equality programs in that state as we've seen uh, rise. You know, in the last few years, you know, we saw Houston rise you know, with Kevin Sumlin and, mm-hmm. and really kind of grab you know four star, three high three star, high four star kids from that city and go and dominate there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if Spavital, you know, this. This works, um, you know. It, it certainly couldn't have been worse, all right I mean, they, he's only won five games, I think four games in sunbelt play in uh, two seasons. So, um, you know, you, you give it a shot there and try to see uh, if you can can try to build something and then try to go and you know attack the you know twenty twenty two class. But I mean, your your point's are great one, Jeremy. I mean, uh, let's let's be honest too. If if the you know, admins don't, don't see a, a whole lot of effort or winning. Uh, they may blow him out anyway. So he, he may be able to say, hey, look, you know, I tried something different, uh, and, and either it works or it doesn't. But, um, you know, credit to him for, for trying something a little bit different and, and utilizing the transfer portal, and, and we'll mm-hmm. see uh, if it'll be tougher this season.
1: So Dusty said that he went ahead, at, kind of like me, I ended up sitting into the uh, Sunbelt Conference for about seven hours. Uh, even with their audio problems uh, that they had trouble with uh, at the beginning of the thing. And, and I think Dusty said he went back and and, and 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 reviewed a lot of the coaches' interviews. Who do you guys think came in with the most swagger? I know Chadwell did. Chadwell seemed like he he, he felt pretty good about his team and felt good about where he was. But who else do you felt really brought the thunder?
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Lunsford did a... Uh, okay job down there. Uh, maybe I'm a little Homerish. ish uh, <laughs> I think Bowden, considering that, you know, all the news broke about his father yeah. was up for, for the legend there, Bobby Bowden. Um, I felt like he handled it kind of well. I think he could have done a lot better and said a lot more, but he was, was, you know, it, 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 it if you watch that interview, he was kind of distant and wasn't really there. But I, I feel like the things he said—he said the right things, hyped up the conference, tried to put a spin on a team that he inherited. Yeah, I, I, 10 last year, um, and and you know really kind of set the expectations like it's going to be kind of rough, guys, but we're going to do it this year.
1: I thought Terry Bowden did a good job considering what his dad is going through. But I, I thought the guy that really projected a lot of confidence was John Elliott. He just seemed to feel like his team was ready to go. Uh, and I was wondering what you thought about that, Ben. I know that uh, you're very close to Georgia State. And I thought Sean Elliott was just presenting himself as a guy who had a team behind him.
2: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, we, there were so many things when he came and took over this this program, uh, you know, five years ago. You can't do this. You can't do that. They've never done this here. And he's kind of embraced that. And now really, you know, I, I can tell you certainly he's not looking for excuses. He's looking to basically go and, and uh, you know, put the mark on the program and kind of take that next step and, you know, uh, you know mention basically you got your place kicker back, got your punter, got your starting quarterback. Um, you know, there's there's been certainly some quarterback changeover in the league, um, but all the starters are back. You know, are coming off, you know, the program's first ever back-to-back winning seasons, uh, going to bowl games and and – you know, three of the last four seasons as well. So uh, he's super confident guy. You know, obviously going to be upbeat, um, knowing how good as well. I mean, his his old position group that he coached at University of South Carolina is the offensive line, and uh, they they're all back. You know, brought brought one of his you know big guys with them. Um, so they're they're excited. Um, I know they're they're looking you know and aiming pretty high and, and want to to go make a statement as well against uh, two power fives there in North Carolina and Auburn on, on the road in September.
1: You know, one thing I want to ask you, too, Ben, because I know that the rivalry between Georgia State and Georgia Southern, it can be so uh, fantastically caustic at times. I don't have any feeling for Georgia Southern this year. I, I don't know if Dusty does either, but because we were talking about earlier teams that we don't have a, a big feeling for. Georgia Southern is one of those teams for me. You know, they've got the new quarterback, Shea Wertz is gone. They always do that triple option anyway, which I, I – I, I I still don't completely fully one hundred percent understand. Sometimes, do you get any sense of where Georgia Southern is this year? Where they what what part of the solar system will they be in the Sun Belt? I can
2: tell you, expectations are always very, very high uh, down in Statesboro. I mean, this is a program that won six FCS national titles and, and still hold on to those six flags uh, and, and very tightly. Uh, and what I've, you know, kind of learned living in this, in that same state and, and interacting with a lot of their alums, I try to. Uh, let them know that that FCS trophies and and flags don't really matter in, in <laughs> FBS. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough to move on from that. But uh, you know, as you you guys were mentioned, kind of the FCS mentality, Georgia Southern, uh, in a lot of ways is that same way. They have embraced those traditions. Um, you know, they I believe back in 2019 were last. In uh, you know, attendance reported in the Sun Belt as well. Uh, they have a very passionate base. It's not enormous uh, because you lose a lot in the state of Georgia to the University of Georgia, and then I think you have, uh, I believe, the number of six FBS programs basically mm-hmm. within driving distance of your campus within about a three-and-a-half-hour radius. But, no, I mean, it's, it is, uh, you know, a change of quarterback. Um, they were expecting James Graham, you know, the, the former – uh highly rated guy who came from Georgia Tech, was, mm-hmm. was kind of in that that turnover from Georgia Tech, uh, going from triple option uh, to the now spread under Jeff Collins. They grabbed him in and then moved him to wide receiver, which was kind of startling uh, for sure. And, and they've struggled on the, uh, on the offensive line as well. I don't think their offensive line is very good. And as you mentioned, they run triple option. If your offensive line's not very good um, and you're getting, you know, Blasted in the front seven, it could be a very long year down in Statesboro. Uh, I I saw their win total, I believe, is at three and a half by the folks out there in Vegas. And uh, I can tell you, there'll be fire in the city, pitchforks in Statesboro, <laughs> if that's the case, if there's three or four wins down
1: there.
0: Is it bad that I'm jealous of that? that, that you could actually have three wins this upcoming
1: season? Dusty is begging for three wins at ULM. <laughs> He wants the ULM. He said to me they were going to double their win total in Monroe. And I had a little brain fart, and I said, well, wait, wait. How many wins did ULM have last year? And it's zero. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> you, you cannot get any worse. Guaranteed.
1: You know, Dusty, when I was in school at Arkansas State back in the early 90s, we had just entered FBS. And I witnessed four of possibly the worst years of football a man could possibly watch. Uh, it, was a, it was constantly seeing Arkansas State with players that looked like they were high school players matched up against Giants. So I do understand when a, when a team that you, you love goes through a long period of, of just ineptitude. I hope Bowden's the guy that can drag him out of it. You know, Bowden, he brought, he, like you said, he brought some moxie uh, to the Sun Belt proceedings. Uh, and, in fact, that actually went so far as to declare the Sun Belt the best Group of Five conference. And I was going to ask both of you, what do you think? Is the Sun Belt poised to be the best, uh, at least the best football conference in uh, the Group of Five?
0: I think coming into the year, no doubt. I mean, you have two teams that will likely be in the top twenty—not even just the top twenty-five, but top twenty—of the preseason rankings. You had last year the, the Coastal Carolina uh, able to pull off the last-minute miracle there against Brigham Young, the game that was you know scheduled kind of on the fly there. Three and O against the Big Twelve, which uh-huh. yeah, you no, know, that's a whole other topic, but. Uh, 3-0 against the Big 12 here. Yeah, they are the G5 conference. I'll see.
1: You know, I, I was looking back uh, at the end of the at the end of this year. I looked back at, at, at some of what are the things that the Sun Belt did. And one of the things I'm beginning to see is reflected in the coaching that is coming up. It, it used to be that the Sun Belt was a place where either – Old retire or old coaches ready to retire came and they would just kind of get their paychecks. or there would be a lot of unproven FCS guys that would come in and and they may do well, they may not, but it didn't matter because they kind of would float in the ether. Now it seems to me the Sun Belt is, is a very hot coaching place. Uh, we've got some pretty good named coaches out there and then we've had some coaches like Chadwell and uh, Napier who both had opportunities to take off for bigger jobs uh, over the off season. And they said, no, we're going to stick it. We're going to stick with this conference. We're going to stick with our teams. So I I, I don't know if you can call the Sun Belt the best. And I think that's a matter of conjecture, a matter of perspective. But I definitely don't think you can look at the Sun Belt anymore and go, oh, yeah, that's the worst conference in college football. You just can't do that anymore. Let me ask. You,
0: would you have taken the Tennessee job though
1: if you were Napier? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and here's why. Uh, ben, I don't mean to step on your toes no, here. Good. but uh, Hudspeth spent way too long at uh, with the Cajuns. He had all those years where he did well, and he he, he brought the team to uh, to uh, to bowl games and to conference yeah. championships. And he kept sticking around, sticking around, and he kind of, you know, missed his window. He missed his opportunity. So I, it's, I guess, a business part of me says, you know, even though Tennessee is a big hot mess right now, it's still SEC. It's still a national brand. So I, I think that's a very tempting job to take.
2: Yeah, I, I agree totally, and, and I think you know, it's it's a hard. Um, you know, you saw it there, you know, in, in Jonesboro, Jeremy, I mean, you had Blake Anderson who, who probably had opportunities, um, you know, when he was riding, you know, pretty high there. I know his buyout was pretty high there just because, you know, Jonesboro seemed to, uh, to lose a coach every offseason there for, for a bit there. But, um, you know, I think when when if that's your goal and if you want to go jump in the SEC and you know, we look at it, you know, from the outside saying, hey, you know what, it may be smart to wait, I, but I, I'm just convinced Billy Napier's waiting for one specific mm-hmm. job. I don't, I don't know what that is exactly, uh, but we kn- we know that he's waiting for, for one specific because he's played footsie with several schools now and and nothing has come to fruition. I think he was a candidate for both of the openings, uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and uh, you know never made it to the finish line or even the finalist, from what I could tell. So uh, very, very interesting. And then to the benefit for those folks in Lafayette because he is uh, – He's built, I believe, probably top to bottom, uh, one of the most talented rosters, certainly in the Sun Belt that I've seen in quite a while.
1: Yeah, it looks pretty tight, and but I do feel like you know that the the, the coaching in the Sun Belt, when you get guys that that get these big offers like Napier, well, like I'm sure Sean Clark's about to get, like I'm sure all these guys are about to get. Uh, that's just good for the Sun Belt. It 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 does make the turnover a little frustrating. But it it shines that light on the conference, and it shows that good things are happening in the Sun Belt. Uh, you know, Arkansas State in a tired. <laughs> we say it, it famously, but we we get tired of the story about having five coaches in five years. But it was good for Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. Uh, every t- it, the the exposure, uh, the the new perspectives that were brought in. Uh, the talent that was brought in, that actually elevated Arkansas State. And maybe that's just a good formula for the Sun Belt in general.
0: It was Sun Belt Media Days this past week, as we said. Did anybody else see it? There was a Keith Gill sighting. And he came out, <laughs> and he took the podium. He talked about the Sun Belt Conference, how great it was, the 80% bull win percentage, Perhaps. all the hype. Um, signed a new ESPN deal that over half the games will now be on a ESPN platform. And I think that's the key thing that most people don't realize when they're trying to flip through the ESPN use the OCHOs, and everything else, that it's not necessarily going to be on your traditional cable TV. A lot of it's going to be on ESPN3, but I don't know about y'all, I don't even have cable. And so the ESPN3 platform is where I'm going to go to watch the game because I might not be sitting at home. I might be out Mm -hmm. somewhere around the town but still want to be able to catch that game or the highlights or anything like that. So to me, that's a bigger deal than being on a traditional ESPN platform.
1: Arkansas, we have two FBS teams. Like you guys, you guys have so many in both Georgia and ULM. We have two, so we get a lot of Arkansas fans here and there is absolute panic amongst the Arkansas fan base. If Arkansas isn't on ESPN or the sec network, they don't know what to do. They don't even know how to get on the ESPN three. That's like a mystery to them. They just flip out. <laughs> you, you, they call it on the radio. like, how do I get on the ESPN three? Oh my God, what do I have to do? So, we just got to laugh at them and, and say, God, it's not its not rocket science. Figure it out. I love um, the ESPN's relationship with the Sun Belt. Yeah, sometimes you get uh, someone that – it's gotten actually better in my opinion. But you used to get a lot of announcers that seemed to talk about other games more than the game that they were watching. But I feel like that's improved. And, uh, yeah, I love the ESPN relationship.
0: So what I heard, Jeremy, was that the Sugar Bear fans are far better Arkansas
1: feeds <laughs> yes indeed they're a lot more savvy I can give you that
2: yeah I think the biggest thing too to you know that 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 I took away from from Gill's comments were they're they're taking some inventory away from other conferences uh, other group of five conferences hmm. um you know and that's that's obviously you know was the we, we know that the situation last year with covid and and you know, games getting shuffled and, and we know some of the power five teams didn't start till much later. So it afforded the Sunbelt opportunities. Uh, but twenty six million is an eye popping number. You I mean, that, that was one of the things that really jumped out to me. And and, uh, you know, they're going to be able to bump, you know, a conference USA down the, the pecking order, you know, potentially even the Mac. And you a know, thing that also jumped out as well. Uh, you know, as someone who, who goes to games, uh, some of these games are going to be on Saturdays across the league. You're not going to have, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, you're going to have some of those, I think this year, but uh, you know, I think you're going to see some of that kind of slide uh, to, you know, slide back a little bit. And, 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 commissioner Gill talked about that, that these games are going to be on Saturday um, and, and trying to find that, uh, you know, that medium uh, to, to bring folks in and, and bring them back. And, and certainly hope that uh, folks are, uh, you know, are coming back to the game in full force as, as more things are opening back up. And, and I think that the Sunbelt did a great job of that last year,
0: being one of the forefronts of saying we're playing while everyone was kind of up in the air of COVID going, Oh, I don't know. depends on our state, depends on the schools. The Sunbelt knew truthfully that a lot of their members depended on that revenue, depended on those games happening for the athletic programs to continue to even be in existence, so they were really in a fight for their lives. And and so I think that it's a good step forward. Also, the one thing that Gil said was that this year there's no postponement, no uh, redoing of games, rescheduling of games. It's if 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 you got the Rona, you ain't playing, and it's a forfeit. And I think that that would have solved a lot of the bitterness and a lot of the Twitter trolling that you see between Lafayette and Coastal Carolina because even though Coastal Carolina got that win in the regular season, I have zero doubts in my mind the Cajuns would have been hoisting the good old fun belt over their heads at the end of that championship
1: game. That's absolutely that could absolutely be true. But I, I'll tell you one thing: one thing I think what what Gil is doing, and I think, I've heard a lot of, a couple other conferences saying the th- same thing about. Um, about uh, no postponements, forfeits. I think that's a big push to get to get these um, to get these conferences to push their 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 teams to get the vaccine. Uh, I, I I think that's just one way they're trying to protect the conferences because when you postpone a game, when you have to cancel a game or whatever, it just costs everybody a lot of money. Uh, and it costs the t- it costs TV money. It costs those contracts money. So I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing all that. But to go back a little bit further than what you said, Dusty, it was the group of five that saved college football last year. It was the group of five in Big Twelve. All those those six conferences said, well, wait, I didn't want to maybe Mountain Weston. But they said, We're gonna get out there, we're gonna play football, we're gonna be your canary in the in the in in the coal mine we're going to go out there and play. We're going to give the people what they want, which is some college football, and we're going to take the risks. And there's nothing that made me angrier last year than to see the Big 10 just kind of come in with a I don't know, a 6 game schedule and also Ohio State's supposed to be in the uh in the uh playoffs. That just made me angry. I just felt like you had all these teams that that played a close to a full slate as possible, including the Sun Belt and then we still have to make our bones for a team that that only played six games. I didn't get that, uh, Ben. You're like in the hotbed of Atlanta. What, what was the idea behind? Did any did anybody feel the same way about that, or or am I just screaming at the cloud?
2: No, I, you know I'm, I'm down here in SEC and ACC country, and they were they were the exact same way. You know, you you have a tremendous amount of Big Ten alums down here that uh, have got tired of you know shoveling three and a half feet of snow during the winter. So you see. You know, plenty of uh, you know, big O's and big big M's on mailboxes and things like that. But um, they they admit it too, and, and I, I think you see, even saw that if you had watched uh, some of the ESPN coverage, um you know, of, of the Sun Belt, is you know, they had they had Bill Connolly on, and and he was talking about specifically that the group of five almost has to fight this battle of perception of you need multiple years of success. Right. Now that's not what you hear. Uh, you know, the Power Five programs get. Oh, well, yeah, they they beat three teams, so automatically, you know, like it was it was laughable at what. And to your point, I mean, Ohio State, I think they were in the top five and didn't play a game for a month. You know, yes. that the whole month of September, but yet they were still holding on to their um their fifth spot I, I don't know how that gets fixed short of basically just not ranking anybody i guess until the you know first or second week um you know getting getting past uh you know some of these some of these teams i know in this neck of the woods um you get a collective eye roll with the the vast majority of the sec programs who will open up with fcs programs or you know we know the uh the weekend before thanksgiving is one of the worst uh certainly in the power 5 you know where where you're you're playing your um, you, you know, your directional schools, basically there, um, you know, for most of the major programs. But um, well we try to, you know, tell people specifically about the group of five down here, because, you know, you mentioned it. you know, Arkansas only has two FBS programs. There's, you know, there's four in the state of Georgia and Georgia Southern and Georgia state are really trying to carve out that uh, next rung mm-hmm. there under the university of Georgia, who's a, you know kind of emerged as a national power. And then Georgia tech, of course, who, um, you know, is trying to, trying to, find their footing again but you know they have uh and their and their fans are we'll tell uga fans they can be the little brother but you know they they have more national championships uh <laughs> so that's uh it, it's always been a good good battle uh between the uh the trade school and that uh you know the school there in athens uh, they're they the smart kids man you got to watch out for georgia Tech. they know the angles
1: yeah i would want to i wouldn't want to trade uh a mental blows with georgia tech <laughs> Those guys could probably run uh, mental circles around all of us. So So
0: here's something you said there, Ben, where you talked about, you know, the flip side of that, the the Georgia fans, the Bama fans aren't really excited when they have to play pretty much our schools uh, for the homecoming game, the early season game. What are your thoughts of when Georgia state, when Arkansas state, you know, we talked about South about Alabama earlier when they travel to the Florida's, the Florida State's, the whoever's. Do you all kind of get excited for that game, or do you all just kind of see, like, okay, you know, our offensive line looks okay. This guy was pretty good as a receiver. This guy was a pretty good cover corner. Do you all kind of take the individual approach, or do you all look at the game as a whole?
2: I know I can speak for me. Uh, you know, two two years ago, 2019, to open the yeah. season, you know, Georgia State probably shocked the uh, the college football world and uh, went into uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and punched the Tennessee Vols in the mouth. And uh, you know, I, I was there live, you know, seeing the game. And you talked to some of the Tennessee uh, fans, and, and they didn't think they were going to win a single game, and, and they ended up going eight and five and winning a bowl game uh, before, you know blowing uh, Jeremy Pruitt out the following season. But um, I, I will say this, you know, it, it used to be, you know, where Sunbelt programs were cannon fodder for those big programs, with, you know, the, the the Power Five teams. But I think you're, you're seeing Appalachian State, you know, with, with two Power Five wins a couple of years ago, South Carolina and North Carolina. You know, there's, they've, they've played teams close. You've seen – you know, you mentioned South Alabama – um, you know go and you've had teams go into LSU and like Troy go in and, and knock off LSU and LSU uh, in recent memory um, you, you have those you know those games where I think it's it, it catches people's attention and they're paying attention uh, and seeing how close they can be but as somebody basically covered the team yeah you, you want to measure it up you, you want to see all right um, you know, are they able to hold water, you know, against some of the, the best talent in the country? Hey, um, you know, that's something that I'm looking forward to. You know, week two for Georgia State. You know, they play North Carolina, you know, potentially the number one quarterback in the country there, and Sam Howell, seeing how their secondary holds up. As we know, you know, there's, there's offensive – Teams in the Sun Belt that can absolutely put it up, and there's some great quarterbacks in the league. Uh, what are they going to look like, you know, with the guy? So, um, I think you measure that. You, you see, okay, how does this talent measure up? Are you able to push guys off the ball? Are you getting blown off the ball? How's your front seven look? Uh, is your secondary getting embarrassed? Things like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 the league has certainly come a long way, and, and I think they're they're getting blown out less and less in those Power Five payday games, and, and they're certainly being more respectable.
1: Yeah, you know what, what I always tell people too is, you know, I get, I, I'll get a little condescension every now and then. I remember we played Alabama a couple years ago, and uh, there was a lot of like, like, uh, <laughs> kind of sneering about that. But my, my point about, or at least my perspective on uh, sunbelt teams playing uh, big Power Five programs is that. A Sunbelt team, in the uh, it, when it comes to the, the the first first squad, they'll match up just as well as anybody in, in college. It's when it start when when it starts getting the backup players or the the too deep. Uh, you know when you're playing a team like Alabama, you know the third string guy is a five star player. So so by the time it, we you hit the 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 second half, you know, a, a group of five team is a, a lot of times just kind of gassed trying to keep up because they just don't have the backups to help them out. But in terms of Arkansas state, we we've always looked at it as that it's the only thing that's acceptable in our minds is a win. And then the other thing that's acceptable is that our guys just don't get hurt. So and I think that's kind of where the Sun Belt is in total. Like when I saw Georgia State beat Tennessee, I, I didn't look at that as "Oh my God, what a huge upset for Georgia State." I looked at that as Georgia State was clearly the better team on the field. And what always frustrates me is the after analysis. It's always like, "Oh, Tennessee must have had a bad day," or they overlooked Georgia State, or you know, it, it was something. Something went wrong with Tennessee. It wasn't the excellence of Georgia State. So I think that's the that's the part that bugs me most about playing power five teams is that even when you win, you don't get the respect that you deserve.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, we you know. saw just last year with App State being I you know, I state, you know, they you know they they ended up in the in the year ranked behind them and they beat them by double digits. I mean, that was that was a pretty sound victory uh there by the Cajuns and yet they're still, you know, several spots behind them. It's uh it goes back to that, you know, with ESPN, you know, was saying. Hey, you, you got to win multiple years. When, when we, we know how these schedules are, are you know, set out four, five, six, eight years in advance, makes makes it difficult.
0: Well, guys, we finally made it. The first episode is in the books. What are your thoughts? You, you, you think this is going to be the the sticking point, and, and this will be the Fun Belt Podcast?
1: I don't see why that the Fun Belt Podcast can't even get better. You know, I'm hoping that we get a few guests on the on the uh, on board to liven things up. And I definitely think that. Are you saying we're not live enough for you? Uh, I don't know. You know, I think for now we seem to be, but we might get a little bored with each other by uh, week five. We'll certainly need some new blood to to pump it up a little bit. But I'm really looking forward to this season. I feel like uh, there's really a lot of compelling storylines this year. And I really am excited to see how they they play out.
2: Yeah, I, I agree totally. And I think there's so many storylines to watch from from the new coaches as we mentioned, uh, you know, er, earlier as well as you know can can the top of the league, um, you know, continue to show out. Is there going to be any any teams that that jump up and just shock us, you know, like Coastal did last season? Um, you know, is there somebody? You know, we saw some close games and even games that went into overtime last last season. Um, you know could that could that potentially shift the battle there in the East or the West? Uh, I, I'm looking forward to a, you know huge September with a ton of of name games in the league as well, and and uh, you know Dusty getting to uh, to have a chance to go see uh, Coach Coach Dion. Oops, don't call him Dion. You don't make it. Oh no, we're
1: gonna get canceled.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for this season. Um, you know, I think that kind of the cliche for the G5 has always been who's going to be the next Boise State. And I think that last year we saw kind of a combination between Coastal Carolina and Louisiana Lafayette. They were the quote-unquote Boise State. And who's it going to be this year? And and really, is it still that you're the Boise State if you are Coastal and Louisiana Lafayette doing the same thing you did last year? To me, it almost – then kind of shifts to a who's going to be the Coastal, who's going to be Louisiana Lafayette of next year. So with that said, parting shots, plugs, and promos. Ben, what you got?
2: So, sounds good. Yeah, we, uh, uh, we're we excited over here at uh, 24-7 and PantherTot.com specifically uh, to carve out our niche and, and, and be the home of, uh, of Georgia State. But we get, to get a chance to flex our muscle here, obviously, on this podcast and, and talk a little Sunbelt. Uh, I, I'm very interested, and in, I'll say it already, uh, Georgia State is going to perform a lot better and a lot stronger than folks are giving credit uh, to them. And uh, there's a lot of confidence, as you mentioned, at a Coach Sean Elliott and, and the, the awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know turned some heads there with uh, with 10 Sunbelt um, you know, preseason nominees. And, and honestly, there's a couple guys that have that would probably be on that list to potentially make an 11th or 12th. So uh, there's a whole lot of things swirling here in Atlanta trying to – to get some attention um, and, and grow the fan base, certainly, which has been a struggle, um, I think they have that opportunity to do it. And, and word on the street is their game against Army will be uh, will be sold out, uh, expecting nearly twenty five thousand there uh, in in uh, Center Park Stadium, formerly Olympic Stadium, of course, as the Olympics are going taking place. So um, they're they're excited about it, excited to to do that. And and uh, if you've ever seen a game either in person or on TV, they're looking to uh, to sound the, the train horn.
1: I, I just want to encourage everybody to check out the latest howraiser.com story, where I encourage Keith Gill. I implore him, I beseech him, reach out to the Big Twelve and get those remaining guys into the Sun Belt, uh, they're 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 without Texas and without Oklahoma. I don't know if they have much much reason to exist, so they really need the Sun Belt to pull them up. And I also want to say that Arkansas State. Uh, for all of its sort of uh, mystery surrounding its roster, I really do think maybe being behind, uh, ranked right behind Louisiana is right where they need to be. I, I think this might be a team that surprises a lot of guys. So we're really looking forward to the season, and I'm looking forward to covering them. My
0: promo, us. If, if you've got a small business, uh, we're cheap. We need sponsorships to uh, keep the podcast going for week two and beyond. Uh, We really want to try to get this going all the way through the New Year's bowl games that I know that a Sunbelt team will be in. Um, So definitely hit us up, funbeltpc at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, funbeltpc. Other than that, I can't thank y'all enough. Um, Looking forward to it. Uh, I think it's going to be a great venture, and ready for episode two.